I'm Carrie Benedet, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalize you in your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me I'm an education consultant specializing in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy, passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Well, welcome to our podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about, am I being open and genuine? So it's Carrie Benedet from Thriving Matters and my co-colleague today is Susan Judd once again and you've met Susan in uh, our first and second podcast so you know what she's back in in uh, all excited because I know that her week has been full of wonderful interactions and connections with people so how are you Susan? Hi Carrie I'm very well thank you for having me. <laughs> it's a pleasure. I really enjoyed our, our previous podcast. So we're back to talk about all things genuine and open today, or in other words, authenticity and how authentic we are in our day-to-day relationships, whether they're at work or home or when we're playing and having lots of fun. Um, so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I, I can't help going past uh, a quote that um, I've been thinking about. Uh, Authenticity is the alignment of the head, the mouth, the heart and the feet. Thinking, saying, feeling and doing the same thing consistently. You know, this builds trust and followers love leaders they can trust. Yeah, I love this. I actually love this quote as well because... um Uh, Today I was facilitating a workshop all about authenticity and we were doing, we were talking about what's effective and ineffective emotional expression. Um, And so when we think about that alignment of our head, our heart, our words, our actions, um, we're thinking about, you know, we really need to give consideration to what is effective and ineffective um, emotional expression, whether we're in a leadership position or um, where we've got people looking at us um, and following our direction, or whether we are a team member, a workplace participant, um, we've still got to work on our emotional expression skills. And that's what, you know, having these real, um, gen- really genuine and considered um, responses to negative situations can really impact the, our ability to build trust. Well, that, you're so spot on. I was lucky enough this week to work with a, a young leader and uh, we were talking all about his self-awareness and how he comes across with the people that he's working with. And so he's hop, opted in to do some extra leadership development. Uh, and so we were talking about how genuine he was coming across, how authentic others were seeing him. So he'd actually done a 360 um, which was uh, beneficial, and so we're building on the uh, the results from that. And uh, he, uh, at the end of the the session yesterday, he said to me, "Oh, he said, you know, we've been able to be really honest, and uh, I thank you for the feedback." So I think this fits very nicely in in that notion of how can we be genuine mm-hmm. with, with others, and how consistent we we are is really important because otherwise we won't have trust. 
So wherever we are working or living or uh, our relationships, if people don't trust us, then basically I think we just need to leave <laughs> or we need to look at that and go, what is it? What is it about me? What is it about the way I'm going about things that there's no trust? Because everyone in a workplace wants to feel valued for their contribution. Mm. But, so how do, you, how do you make that happen? How do you craft and skill yourself to, be, to know that you've got some trust? Yeah, um, and 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 uh, makes me consider then um, that our behaviour. You know, when I was talking about emotional expression, it makes me consider how quickly trust can can be broken. Mm. It takes a lot. It's one of those things that takes a long time to build. Yeah, um, can disappear in a heartbeat if we have an inappropriate response where we don't um, put space between that. You know, that maybe that negative emotion or that desire to bite back to um, respond defensively, to um, respond to something in anger or frustration. Um, we can break whatever foundations of trust we had. We can, it can disappear in a heartbeat. Yep. So we have to be really mindful and aware. Um, and, and, and I love the word considered around how, how we um, are going to interact and respond to things that impact us well i agree with you and you know this whole notion we go to the gym or we learn scrapbooking or we are you know training for a marathon um, we often are part of a community or we have someone that we're working with to help us um, with those learning those skills and uh, if there's no trust there if there's no way to ask a question and not be put down or to get an aggressive reply or to be dismissed for our inquiry, well, then our emotional expression is crucial in how we go about doing it. And, um, you know, that looking at the time, the place, our context, other people is all important for how we express ourselves, particularly when we're in relationships where there needs to be a trust level so i think it's you know i think it's kind of really interesting then to consider how we do that in our teams how we do that in our workplaces how we do that in our mm. personal relationships it's yeah i guess not just about the workplace what do we what do we need to demonstrate in our behavior and what do we need and how do we need to interact what are some of the skills we need to build to interact with others so that we're, you know, we're being genuine, we're having the right conversations in the right context at the right time in the right manner mm. um, and being really respectful and building on our previous skills that we talked about in our previous podcasts that how am I feeling about this situation and what's going on for the other person as well and doing that, having those um, considered conversations um in a in a really uh, a, 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 an aware way and, a, and an empathic way yeah and uh, instantly comes to mind you know families are a really good example aren't they of um relationships and trusting relationships mm. and um there are times when uh situation calls for you to actually plan out your conversation because you know it could be a conversation that's deep to your core, really affects your values or your beliefs or the assumptions that you're making. 
and is likely to get a pretty good reaction. Now, at work, I know um, in a large organisation that I worked in, uh, we anyone who was leading a team needed those skills of being open and genuine because the team is very observant. Just like at home, your children are very observant about what you do as a parent or others looking in on you are very observant about that as well. So being open and genuine is critical for that, for that trust level. And plan, planning the conversation uh, sometimes takes some time and there's a few good hints and techniques for planning those discussions that, uh, that are helpful. Because when we plan something, when we sit down and think about it, it actually opens and broadens out our thinking. It actually gets us to the prefrontal cortex where, the, where all the planning awaits and we're able to do it there. And it enables us to have a broader perspective. And we can look at different scenarios. If I say it this way, I'm lucky to have someone who's going to just go off their rocker. If I say it this way, someone's going to sit down and go, actually, you've got a point. Yes, I did that, or this is, is what happened. How else can we do it? So there's lots of ways to do things. Yeah, um, I love the way you, you know, you're talking about this step of, how am I going to have this conversation, um, which we call authentic conversations, by planning it out? And whilst sometimes I get asked, is that a bit of a contrived kind of, is it, is it actually really genuine? Um, my belief is that, no, actually, it's really quite, again, I'm going to use the word considered around understanding. This yeah. is, you know, this, this is my dream and wish for the, for the outcome of the conversation, as challenging as it's going to be. Um, and this is, and I'm taking into account, and I'm thinking about and taking into account the possible scenarios, as you say, as how it might pan out, but also, um, you know, trying to formulate what are some of the questions that I can ask? Because how can we be truly building trust if we have, if we can't ask some great questions to garner information so that we're able to then and, and really then mindfully listen to that person and what they've got to say. Yeah, because if we ask the questions, we actually are getting some of the information that we need to be able to understand. So mm. Stephen Covey, uh, you know, a lot of people know he's left an amazing legacy. Um, uh, and one of his mantras and one of his habits is seeking first to understand so to be understood. And I think that's where the questioning comes in. So... Uh, there's lots of ways you can ask questions, but one of the most effective ways is to ask a question that isn't going to get you a yes or a no answer. So they need to have an open ending so that it invites somebody else to give you what they think. And of course, that's when we tune in with our two ears and our two eyes and our one mouth. So we zip that mouth and we do twice as much listening and observing. So we can actually get in to understand. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I, I love that. And, you know, one of my favourites is, you know, the tell me about it start to an open question. You know, I've, I've noticed this, yeah. so I want to talk about that. Can you tell me more about that? So um, it opens up a really broad, it, it's giving the the other person in the conversation, the you know, the, the, the power, I guess, to then take mm. the conversation wherever they need it to go. Um, I just wanted to go back and talk about for a second and talk about um, the planning process because some people really struggle and I'm one of them, I'm happy to say, um, uh, not really happy to say, it's an area of growth for me, um, that I tend to avoid conversations that 
I feel are going to bring me into conflict. It's just something that I tend to avoid, like the plague. Um, so, you know, and I think it's important that I share that that's a stroke, that's something that I am constantly working on. This idea, this whole idea of if I plan, if I kind of plan out how what I want to say and, and some of the questions I want to ask and how I position this conversation that could be deemed by me to be a bit kind of in conflict, um, which I don't enjoy um, and many people don't. Um, then it's giving me a little bit more confidence and control mm. uh, around what might happen. Um, and then the other thing I want to then say is this idea of is it, in fact, if I, if I change my mindset and think of these kinds of conversations as not conflict but as having a robust debate with somebody, it makes me, it drives me to then be much more open-minded around being um, asking them more questions and getting and and getting their perspective and not going into that threat threat state by being defensive or um, concerned about the impact it's going to have on me. I think you're spot on because I don't really like conflict either. And if I look back on my life, I would probably have um, looked at myself and said, "Yes, I was probably a yes person, mm. saying yes, I'll do this or okay, we'll just let that waiver. We won't we won't go there and correct that behaviour." But over the last few years, with all the uh, emotional intelligence work that we've been able to do and the learning that I've that I've taken on and you have taken on, um, I agree with you. The planning or thinking about the conversation is actually a help for those ones where we know it could be very emotional. And particularly when you're working with somebody who you feel um, may not be doing all that they're meant to be doing in, in their role. It's like in a family when you come home and you walk down the corridor into the kitchen, you turn, I turn right and my gosh, the bench and the sink covered in dishes and I'm thinking, didn't we buy? Didn't we purchase a dishwasher? Doesn't everyone know how to stack that? You know, what's 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 happening? You know, so how do I have the conversation, or what mechanisms do I put in place? How do I plan for that? That I don't say you're hopeless. You're, you're giving me more work. You're put. I'm putting it all into me. But saying I understand we're all busy. How can we help each other? Just get these dishes into the dishwasher. <laughs> And uh, and not leave it up to make it another job for somebody, but it's shared. So how do, how do we change that mindset? I agree with you. I love that. I really love what you said about robust and not difficult. Yeah, we shouldn't be afraid of them. We shouldn't be afraid. No, but that that. But I de I, de I agree. But it's definitely about changing your mindset and your perspective and turning it on its head and saying, okay, this isn't going to be a conflict. It's it's just going to be a conversation, a robust conversation, yeah. uh, or a robust debate um, where we're going to come to an outcome. Um, and so, uh, Carrie, top tips: how do oh. we how do we do it better? Apart from you know the planning and some jotting down some questions, some open questions to get the conversation running. What are some of our what are some of your kind of go to strategies? What, Susan, thanks, because one of the best, as you were just talking about that, I'm thinking, what would I say about that dishwasher and the kitchen, the state of the kitchen? And I'm using that just as an example of everyday life, which most of us experience, I think, I think, I think. Um, I, I quite, I like the, um, a sentence stem that starts with, I feel. 
so, and I feel annoyed or I feel disappointed when I come home and I find the kitchen littered, especially when there's a dishwasher waiting to be filled, uh, because it gives, it means it takes away time that I can have sit down and have a conversation with you guys about your day um, that I feel that I actually have to go to that dishwasher and pack it up. So I like the set and stem. I feel da 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 da, which is the um, which is the the word we use is a is an is an adverb. I feel when this happens because, and I would like I'd like to find a solution. I would like us to have a better relationship. I would like us to be open with each other about what we each need. Yeah. So I, so I, I, actually, I actually love your sentence, Dem. I love that idea because what it's actually doing is it's saying it's talking about you and how you're feeling. So it's not pointed at a particular, it's not pointed at a particular individual. There's no blame in it. It's around, you know, you're not saying um, you frustrate me because the dishes aren't packed in the dishwasher. I need to practice this carry with my kids in the morning um, <laughs> um, and say, I feel frustrated <laughs> or disappointed or whatever the feeling is at the time um, because you aren't getting dressed <laughs> regardless to go to school. And I actually think that this is a really great um, way to practice is to practice on your children if you have still have children in the home yeah. um, it, and teenagers in the home it's a really good place to start to build that muscle because one of my top tips is don't give up the first time oh nice I like that don't give up the first time because it will feel strange the first time you say it. Yeah. It will feel strange the second and you'll think where do I go from here but what I'm going to say to you is it's like being genuine and having these kinds of conversations and these sentence stems um, are, they're like a muscle. They're just like when we start to do some gym or do some push-ups or, you know, walk, walk around the block. You know, we just have to pace ourselves and it's going to feel uncomfortable um, until we build our muscle. So keep and at it. I love, I love that. And the, the other tip that we're going to add to, I feel, when because is... Just be aware of your body language, your tone of voice, the way you um, maybe are cutting off somebody or just, just the space around where you're going to say this um, and your facial expression. I mean, perhaps that mirror is the best place to try it. In, just close the, close the door, do it in the bathroom and just practice that. That's like preparing. It's the same thing as preparing for a conversation with a colleague. Practice this at home in the mirror. I have done it years ago. I did a, I had a, a job as a parent educator, which I absolutely loved. And a lot of the parents were asking for, for uh, you know, hints on how to do this, this and this. I said, go in and practice this. So you feel calm. You get yourself into a calm state. You get from the amygdala, because it's emotional, into the prefrontal cortex. So you get to broaden out your thinking into your, uh, your rational thinking space. And you start to practice that in front of the mirror. Listen, if you're really game, video yourself doing it to see how you're coming across. Oh, there's, there's a hint for you and there's yeah. a to try before our next uh, podcast. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, I, th I, th I think it's brilliant because um, I was having a conversation today even with somebody who was saying they know they need to be more genuine and authentic and understand the other person's perspective, but their face... Uh, their facial expressions yes. was not saying that at all. So <laughs> we 
what we were having a discussion about you need to get these can these two components of your communication connected by you know not only your tone of voice and what you're saying but what's going on in your face because that's not they're not matching up and that will impact the way whether people trust you or not and whether that's they right. think it's genuine oh look I hope uh, everyone listening is, is going to be able to use those two handy tips. We have You can have a bit of fun with them. Uh, we need to practice them like any good skill. Anything that we've developed over the years, get those muscles working. You have to practice and flex them. Am I being open and genuine? That's something to think about. Something to catch yourself doing and doing well. Um, how you effectively express yourself, how you honour your commitments and how you encourage this behaviour in others is part of our role wherever we are, whether it's in family or workplace. So thank you, Susan, for a great session today. Hope you have another fabulous week. I'm sure it won't always be fabulous, but it will be interesting. It will give you food for thought wherever you are working. Don't forget to pop over to iTunes and give us a vote if you really like our podcast. So see you next week. Thanks, Carrie. Bye.